Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez, and today I'm actually joined with a very special guest, and her name is Kelly Herman, and I have known Coach Herman for decades now, actually, (laughs) Not that we're old, but we've known each other for a long time. And um, and we played uh, intramurals together at Franciscan. And I was always very impressed with, um, with Kelly's coaching ability and her ability to prioritize um, faith, even in the heat of the moment on, on the court or on the athletic field. And over the years, Kelly has um, has coached, has refed, has umped in all kinds of uh, settings, um, from little league to high school. I know, and on the collegiate level, for twenty eight seasons, um, a variety of sports. And um, she's a wife, a mom, a grandma, and a health coach. And I'm actually having her on this show because of her passion for integrating sports and spirituality. And since human and spiritual integration is a passion of mine and the point of this podcast, it's only fitting to have Kelly on here because um, integrating faith and spirituality right in the heat of the moment in something like sports is, um, is just a fantastic thing. And it's a fantastic way that I've seen Kelly form um, spirituality and character in, in people over the years. And so Welcome, Kelly. Thank you, Margaret. It's great to be with you. Yes, this uh, this topic is uh, very near and dear to my heart. I've spent most of my adult life um, coaching, refing, umpiring, being involved in sports, um, even as a parent, coaching my own children, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in some sense, forming coaches to be forming young people to become coaches, which is the reality of everything that we do. We are teaching and mentoring and um, showing the way for young people to fulfill what God's call is in them. And so um, uh, very, very much a passion of mine. That's so fantastic. I know this is such a funny place to drop in um, philosophy, but, you know, I'm a little nerdy. And over the past couple of days, I've been listening to a lecture series by um, on blessed John Dunn Scotus. And, um, and he's a Franciscan philosopher. And he says that, um, whereas Aquinas would see the intellect as a, a little more important, of course, they both see intellect and will as important, but Aquinas slightly sides on the side of the intellect as being, um, the more important. And Scotus would say that the will is actually more important because it's where we choose to love the good and, and got with God being the highest good. And, um, and that's really what, what you're saying makes me think of is that 
even if we're loving the good of, of winning and of really just like exerting ourselves and giving our all in a, in a sports and in a competition, there's still a higher good that we need to keep in mind. And mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's so interesting to see like a philosophy even woven right in the middle of a sports right from the get go. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I know something very, um, very, uh, I think is very special uh, about you, many very special things about you, but in particular, I know that you gave up the chance to play division one sports in order to come to Franciscan university back way before we were even division three, when Mm -hmm. there was only intramural and perhaps club sports back then. And you gave up the chance to play division one, obviously as an athlete. So Mm -hmm. why would you make a choice like that, Kelly? Well, it was interesting. Um, You know, I just grew up playing every sport. I was the middle of nine kids. We lived out in the country on a dairy farm. So when we weren't working, playing sports in the front yard is kind of what we did. We actually also had a basketball court up in our hay barn. So the hay barn would get filled up with hay by late summer, and then it would get emptied out as the fall and winter went on. So right about the coldest point of the winter in Michigan, the basketball court end, my dad would empty that first for us. And we'd be up there on the coldest days playing basketball. So you'd have to play with your gloves on a little bit and then take them off. And then when you couldn't feel your fingers anymore, put your gloves back on kind of hard to dribble and shoot with your gloves on. But, um, but that's what I grew up doing. And it was just, uh, you know, it just became, um, very important to me as a young person. And, um, in high school, um, I lived, the student athlete life. And when I wasn't playing, I was doing the scorebook for men's varsity baseball, or I was announcing men's basketball games or, uh, coaching the, um, junior high, uh, uh, leagues doing whatever I could. So, wow. So you were announcing um, games even in high school. I was, Oh yeah. I love that. That was definitely, (laughs) definitely way fun. Wow. Much funner than sitting and counting balls and strikes during baseball practice for the pitchers. So, um, yes, I love that. So, um, so why did you give up that chance? Well, uh, three of my four older siblings came to Franciscan. And so when I was a junior in high school, I had a brother and sister at Franciscan. And then when I was a senior in high school, my next sister went. And so over those two years, I visited a lot. And um, in that time, I it was my golden life to be a college basketball player. And mm-hmm. I had a lot of opportunity in, in, and I even had a history teacher who is a college coach. And she, you know, wow. was very... Um, um, committed to me realizing that dream in my life, but I visited Franciscan enough times to feel, um, a certain, um, fulfillment here in my experience of, um, the people, um, and the atmosphere and, you know, the, the, the faith culture. And, um, in the end, it was actually became sort of an easy decision, which is kind of funny because, um, Early on, my mom and I would argue. She'd say, you're going to, it was then the University of Steubenville, you're going mm. to Steubenville. And I would say, no, I'm going to, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to play basketball. But then some point early on in my senior year, 
I just came to the conclusion that, yeah, this is where God wants me. And this is the place where I'm going to grow and become more of who he created me to be. That's not to speak disparagingly on anybody who is a college athlete. Um, but specifically I was giving up the opportunity to be a college athlete because we didn't have, we had intramurals at Franciscan at the time. And so, um, I came to Franciscan. I majored in education, but I would jokingly say I actually majored in intramurals. <laughs> and uh, that was my focus. I was in the gym playing basketball with the guys almost every day. And um, while it was difficult to to give up that dream to be a college basketball player, I've always felt great peace about it. And um, I, I just, I, I found plenty of athletic opportunity at Franciscan. And, um, I always looked at that as a real anointed moment in my life in terms of God leading me and me for some reason, having the ears to hear. And so, um, I really, I'm thankful that I, I made that choice. Yeah. yeah I think that's really fascinating. I mean, I think, y you know, even as a therapist for all of these years working with people of all ages and even adults, it seems like um, like even as adults, we can tend to fall into the trap of placing our value on our, on our doing, on our performance. And, and you see that all the time, right? And then that's mm -hmm. why when, when people retire and suddenly they're not doing anymore, they have, they lose their sense of self, right? They don't mm -hmm. even know like what, who they are, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like that's gone. And so I think it's, it's an interesting like, thing about coaching. So, so many coaches, um, get very focused on their win-loss record. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's job security. So again, mm. I, I'm not, I don't want to speak disparagingly <laughs> sure. on those people, but um, I think it is very hard as a coach to say, for example, in recruiting, to say, I'm going to recruit in the sense that I'm going to share my philosophy, the team philosophy, our team culture, um, our priorities, how we do things, the goal of creating a faithfully Catholic team culture with all visitors. And then I'm going to say to those visitors, look, you've got to figure out where God is calling you. I hope it's Franciscan, but I'm not here to pressure you or twist your arm because, you know, it, it, the answer, the question is, where is God calling you? And I think that's really difficult for coaches because it's all about wins and losses in, in the culture of athletics. And if you can take a step back from a faith perspective and say, okay, what is the most important thing? We get really confused about this um, in the culture. So the culture would say winning is everything. You know, when your child comes home from their game, junior high, high school, did you win? That's what you asked. Did you win? And the, the, the reality is, we all know this, the reality is you can play your absolute very best and lose, or you can play very poorly and win. So is that really the question we want to be asking? So what we want to be saying to our kids when they come home is, how was your game? Yeah, yeah, that's um, great. How, how did you do? Um, you know, did you help your team? Um you know, what, what goals did you have? Did yeah. you reach How them? did you play? Right. Yeah. How did you play? yeah. Yeah. So there's so much more than did you win and, um, puts the know, focus it, on the being instead of the doing right. Exactly. Yeah. Or a lot of the times when I'm talking, when I would be talking to visitors, I would say, um, you know, the outcome is crucial. You play to win, 
there is no virtue as a faithful person to be wishy-washy when it comes to competition. Some people really get confused about that. They think if I'm a faithful person, I'm not supposed to care about winning. <laughs> well, that's not correct. You right. know, when you understand the virtue of magnanimity, you understand God's call to strive in our lives, to use the gifts and talents he's given us, to work to be our very best. So in sports, we're disciplining ourselves. We're pushing ourselves beyond what is comfortable. We are accepting challenges. We're making choices. Um, you know, there's so much growth and development through that process. So the answer is God wants us to strive and do our best. Does that always result in winning? No, but people focus on the outcome. Did you win or lose? When really we want to focus on the process. So I would say process not outcome. So the process is the day-to-day -day sacrifice, discipline, building virtue in our lives, um, um, changing, growing, becoming who God wanted us, who God has created us to be through the experience. And so um, again, you know, it's, it's an easy thing to get confused about, but from a faith perspective, we have to recognize that, um, the outcome is the outcome and we can prepare our very best and do everything that we needed to do and not win. And, you know, I always would laugh and say to people, does God care if we win or lose? And they kind of hesitate because a lot of people haven't really thought about that. And, you know, at Franciscan, when we started intercollegiate sports and still to this day, I think that there are some people that are confused about that. Like somehow if God has called us here, which I do believe God called Franciscan to enter into the realm of intercollegiate sports because that part of our culture is so um, void of virtue and um, goodness that there's a lot of work to be done there. So I really do believe God called Franciscan into that arena, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but, but the question then is, is he going to somehow anoint us? And is that going to mean that every Franciscan team is going to win championships and we're all going to be so successful? Of course not. And so I would ask people, okay, you know, I'm a Steelers fan. So I'm watching a Steelers game and the Steeler kicker is attempting the game winning field goal with three seconds left. So you see everybody on the Steelers sideline, you know, praying, um, and then you see everybody on the opposing team sideline praying. So what does God do? Does he pick who he loves right, the right. most? Of course sure. not. So, you know, in that moment, what does our faith do for us? Hopefully it gives us peace, confidence. It gives us the opportunity to perform our best. And then the outcome is the outcome. And we learn and grow from it if we respond faithfully. And so, um, so you know, really the outcome is important, but the process is the part where God's work is really done in our lives. That's great. You know, is like what you're talking about, like, does, do we play to win? Like even in 1 Corinthians, like St. Paul says, run so as to win, right? So that's what, we, what your mindset is when you go on the field. But what you're talking about reminds me of um, back in the early nineties, I recruited for Franciscan for a semester under, uh, for the admissions department under Tim Scanlon who was Father Michael Scanlon, who's president at the time, his nephew, right? And so Tim told me when I went on the road, 
to recruit, he said, you go to high schools and you go to youth groups and you preach Jesus Christ. And if people come to know Jesus Christ, then job well done. He said, if, if they come to Franciscan, like, okay, some might come to Franciscan and some might not, but if they remember Jesus because you were there, then that's really what matters. So amen. Absolutely. It wasn't like he was saying, don't, don't bring students into Franciscan, but is that recognition that there's like, there's a bigger game, right? There's a Mm -hmm. bigger competition. There's a bigger goal, right? So to speak kind of thing. Absolutely. So in what ways as a, as an athlete, Kelly, obviously this is a, has been a big part. And I should say, I'm just going to put a plug um, or a little historical note in there. Kelly and I played intramurals probably, gosh, the majority of through my undergrad and also my masters, I think we played together still Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was working on my masters in counseling. So Kelly and I uh, played in, and I'm not the athlete Kelly is, but I would, I would definitely think uh, I'm definitely competitive. (laughs) And so, so we, these are two women who like just salivate over a win. So for us to Mm -hmm. sit here and talk about, there's a bigger goal, I think that's kind of, yeah, it it Mm -hmm. really is saying something. Right. So, um, so as an athlete, in what ways do you feel that sports have most formed you as a person, as a faithful woman? Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> thinking back even just to my, you know, early years in high school, you know, of course there's a lot of discipline. You're making choices every day to make, to prioritize. So, you know, I have a game the next day. I want to go to bed early. I used to have this little routine um, of um, game day, what I did for game day. And, um, you know, we are very poor, um, nine kids and our parents living in a four bedroom house. Uh, we didn't even have a shower. We only had a bathtub and, um, can you imagine one bathroom with a bathtub? So can you imagine what that sharing was like? But I would come home on game days and I would like take a nap and then I'd wake up and I'd take a hot bath and I had this whole little routine. Um, it's kind of funny to think of now, but, um, you know, just me on a very basic level, living out the uh, priority of sports in my life and trying to create a scenario where I was performing at my best. And so, you know, what does that translate to in the big picture of life? That's pretty easy to see the analogy there. But then um, when I went to Franciscan and I gave up that dream of playing intercollegiate sports, I still play everything. And I can remember relationally playing against some of my best friends, Jen, Kathy, and Leslie, man, I can remember they started out on my team and then they went and formed their own team. And we had some of the most intense battles. Um, And it's an interesting thing about competition. You know, you don't need to be an arena with five or 10 or 15,000 screaming fans. You know, the competition comes from the desire in each person's heart to play their best and to win and to help their team. So that competition. That's where competition is created. And so we had some, you know, on the intramural level, we had some really a lot of fierce competition. And, you know, the truth is some days you walk off the court feeling really proud of your performance and some days you don't. And it's not just your performance, like how many points did I score? It's your performance, like, and, and playing against my good friends really revealed this. How did I treat my opponents? How did I talk to the officials? You know, how did I live out my faith life? And how did I um, exemplify Christian character while I'm playing the sport? Because the reality is, and that's kind of the whole point, is that 
they need to be integrated. As a faithful person, we can't profess one thing. And then because we're stepping into the realm of sport, you know, put all of that uh, on the sideline and say, I'll come back to that faithful part later, but right now, you know, I'm playing. And so that, that really, I was, I really learned that when I was playing against Jen, Mm. Kathy and Leslie and those really close friends. And we had to figure out our friendship and our relationship on how to respect one another. And that's another interesting thing about being magnanimous. You know, the way you respect your opponent is to really do your best Mm. because then in that you're demanding their best. And so, um, so, uh, so integrating faith and action sounds like it is exactly. like a really core, um, exactly a core way that athletics formed you as a faithful. And, and, and sports gives us a unique opportunity there because of the intensity in it. Um, Pope uh, St. John Paul II writes a lot about the value of sport in our lives and the opportunity to create, creating scenarios where we can grow in virtue. And one of my friends used to say, um, you know, sports doesn't teach us virtue it re- or uh, character. It, it reveals our character and it does. And then it gives you a starting point to step off the court and say, okay, what do I need to work on? And that was a lot of moments for me, you know, when I, um, backtrack just a little bit to me in high school. So in high school, I started on varsity basketball, volleyball, and softball. And, you know, quite honestly, I was very immature and I was very much a hothead. And, um, unfortunately there were times when I got technical fouls as a freshman in high school and my coach didn't even really take me off the court. And, you know, looking at that, I'd say I needed to be taught. I needed to be sat down. Mm -hmm. I needed someone to say to me, that's not okay. You can't behave that way, but whatever. Um, but I had some really supportive people around me. I played with one of my older sisters and, uh, she was a lot more mature than I am, even though she was only the next grade up. And, um, so we were able to kind of learn together and begin to demand more of ourselves. So then as a sophomore, uh, one of the seniors, her name was Amy. I remember grabbing her by the waist and pulling her away from a potential fight with an opponent <laughs> and saying, no, 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 calm down. That's not how we behave. So, you know, we learn, we, we have the opportunity to learn and, and that's, you know, that's the opportunity that JP two talks about. And so, um, so by saying yes to that, to, to being an athlete, um, you're saying yes to being sort of tested in fire and, but the the real important part comes after the game when you look back and do you feel a sense of of pride and fulfillment from your response to those to that fire or do you feel some regret and even you know for me sometimes some embarrassment and then even as a coach how am i acting on the sidelines you know i used to think i needed to be bobby knight on the sidelines you know i realize <laughs> a lot of people don't know who bobby knight is but a very famous um uh basketball coach from indiana And, um, you know, I realized, no, I need to be me and, and my faith needs to be reflected in the coach that I am. So I'm not going to buy into what I see on TV, that crankiness and that kind of in your face to an athlete. No, I'm going to communicate in a way that models respect because I want them to respect me. So I've got to respect them, whether they play well or play poorly or, you know, what happens. And so those, those opportunities to learn did not end with my experience as an athlete. They continued through many experiences as a coach. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, 
I'll, I'll, I'll share this there um, because I want to see if you have a like moment. Okay. So I think we can have these moments. Um, you know, we were talking in generalities, right? So uh, I'll share this particular experience. It was playing intramural um, flag football. I don't remember if we were playing on the same team or if you, you may have been coaching us honestly at this point, but I remember um, that there were eight overtimes, the way overtime would work would be going at it right until from like, what was it about 10 yards out until one team scored to, to break the tie. Mm -hmm. And it was eight overtimes. And I was playing both sides of the lines. I was playing offense and defense. And I remember coming back out of the like sixth or seventh, you know, nobody scored and going back in to do it again. And that's after playing through an entire game. I was exhausted. And I remember the thought and going through my mind, I, I don't care anymore. I don't care who wins. And then I remember thinking you have to care, like you have to care. And, Mm -hmm. and thinking of um, like, and I think that's something, and I guess I share that because it's something that's like transferable into life, right? There are those times that we're exhausted beyond exhaustion and, um, and, and you know, that there's, there's another, another level you can dig into because you've had that experience on the field, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. so I wonder are there particular memories of, of plays or, um, or particular games that you go back to in your mind where you learned a certain thing about yourself or mm-hmm. you learned a certain lesson that, mm-hmm. that kind of stands out in your mind more than others? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that you're right. That game, that uh, gazillion overtime game <laughs> was a, was a football game that I was coaching you guys. I don't know why I wasn't playing, but um, um, you know, I, I think that there are a lot of moments like that. And, and the key is us realizing what our potential is because, you know, in so many things in life, you say, well, I could never do that. I could never do that. And then you are tested and pushed beyond what you think your limit is. And, oh, okay, I did that. And then you're tested and you're pushed beyond your limit. Mm -hmm. And, um, and in each instance you grow and your um, your understanding of what you're capable of continues to grow and change. And, you know, I think of it, honestly, you know, as a mom with six kids, um, I used to get that comment all the time from people. They would say, uh, well, I homeschooled. And so like, if I went to the grocery store, I'd have all six kids with me. <laughs> and so um, they would say, oh my gosh, you know, are these all yours? I'm like, oh. Yeah, they're all mine. Um, even though they all look like I just dad. picked strays up along the way. <laughs> I know. You think I got them? But um, but uh, you know, I had number six. I had Michael when my oldest Johnny was not ten years old yet. So uh, they were pretty close. And um, uh, people would say to me, "Man, how do you do it?" And you know, if before I had any children, if you would have said, "You know, are you going to be able to handle?" six kids in nine years, I would say, Oh goodness. No, you know, who could, you know, of course not. I had no idea. And so Mm -hmm. you have one or sometimes two at a time. Um, and, um, you learn and grow and you're stretched and stretched and stretched. And, um, then, you know, even through those experiences, like for me as a mom, um, then, you know, learning how capable I am and what I, what I'm, what I can do when I'm called to do it. You know, if we're, we're trying to do something that God doesn't, is, is, is something he's not really calling us to. I think there's uh, a different 
um, reality going on inside us. But when we're doing something that God calls us to do, then I think, um, you know, the Holy Spirit is there with us, empowering us and helping to empower us. But in sports, I think um, as a coach, I had a lot of moments where standing on the sideline and knowing that those women were looking at me and wanting so much for them and for their experience, for their opportunities to grow. Um, I think back to our first conference championship. This is such a memorable moment because um, we were the number three ranked team playing on the home court of the number one ranked team. We lost uh, game one. We lost game two. We were down in game three. Wow. And um, we kind of got together and, you know, we had a conversation where we said, let's just stop looking at the scoreboard and let's just play for each other. Let's just relax and let's stay focused on each other, play for each other, ask God for the grace. And so um, there was a freshman on the team. Her name was Bella and uh, she hadn't played very much that season, but she just was a really inspiring kind of a, kind of a person. And um, our uh, right side was struggling a little bit. And I said to one of my seniors, I said, uh, what do you think about putting me putting Bella in? And they said, no, I don't think so. Coach, you know, she's, she, she's barely played this year. I, I just, I don't think so. Well, you know, over the years I learned as a coach, if something's not working, at least try something new, <laughs> right, right? You know, right. don't let the ship sink without <laughs> even trying to make a change. So yeah. I called Bella's name. She, she would always run out onto the court, like someone's chasing her and she <laughs> would run off the court, like, like just inspired. Yeah. Yeah. So she went in and I'll be darned, man. She was the key. She wow. was the key that brought us back to win the third game and win the fourth game and win that conference championship. And it was such a beautiful thing, you know, for her, for our team, for the team understanding that really to focus on one another. Sometimes we just need to get our eyes off ourselves yeah. because we start to get all hung up on our performance. And if we can just focus on our teammates and, and try to, sacrifice for them and think about their experience. So for me as a coach, you know, honestly, uh, my win-loss record starting a brand new sport uh, at Franciscan, you know, it was pretty bad in the early years. So I really never had to worry about my win-loss record because it would have taken me a long time to resurrect that and get, you know, <laughs> above 500 or whatever. I don't even care. I didn't know what my win-loss record was, but, um, I learned not to focus on myself. It was never about me. I was always trying to create opportunity for these women. And little did I know, I mean, I knew this, but had never experienced it. Win a conference championship, go to the NCAA tournament. Oh wow. my goodness. Even at the division three level, that is a incredible experience. Yeah, that's a big deal. And to see the women on my team be able to experience that. Yes, we got our butts kicked, you know, uh, but at least Whatever. your butts were there getting kicked. Exactly. Right? Right? And yeah. a lot of other people were at home on their couch, but we were there. But it was just, it was great to see the women on my team experience that, uh, to experience the whole NCAA tournament thing. But in that match, they experienced something that was really profound and that I really believe was formative in each of their lives. And, you know, all the women on that team, Bella especially, they're doing great things in their lives. And I keep in touch with uh, most of them pretty closely. And it's just, it's beautiful to see, to be able to have been a part of that. That's so. great. I love that you used a couple of times, use the expression, like getting outside of yourself. There's that's actually, you know, that's actually the meaning of the definition of ecstasy, 
is standing outside of yourself. And there is, there's something about athletics that really draws us right into that. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially Mm -hmm. another term you used sacrifice. So another, Mm -hmm. another, um, definitely, uh, Mm -hmm. a value in terms of faith and spirituality. Let me tell you another quick story. This one just popped into my head, um, in terms of my own personal development as an athlete. So, um, or formation as an athlete, I should say. So my senior year in high school, so I started um, since I was a freshman. So my senior year in high school, um, you know, we didn't have a great team. And uh, one of my co-captains, one of my really close friends, Wendy, broke her ankle very early in the season. She was the point guard. So now we went from having a not very good team to having really a not very good team. But, you know, in those moments, you got to remember, it is fun to play sports. I'm going to go out there and play every day and have fun. And it's, you know, it's hard when you're having one of those kinds of seasons. But, um, you know, it can be done. You can find the good in each day and in each opportunity. And I had a lot of those experiences as a player and a coach. But um, that particular year, um, uh, going into my senior year, our high school couldn't pass their tax levy. So they decided to not have any sports at all. No high school sports for the entire year. We had no busing. We had no art. Painfully, we weren't going to have any gym class. I thought, no, I didn't care about art so much, but gym class I was really (laughs) upset about. So um, me and my high school teammates went to the board and we said, we want to raise the money to have women's basketball. And I lived in a small town of less than a thousand people and um, we had six days. So, um, of course, this is with my my head coach, uh, Ken Halinski's help. Um, they laughed at us a little bit and they said, well, you can't just raise the money for women. You have to re- we can't have women's basketball without men's. So we had to raise the money for men's basketball, too. You're welcome. Wow. So uh, six days. So I would wow. get up early in the morning and I'd come back late at night, each of those six days. And I remember my mom, after one of the nights I came home and she said, Kelly, you, you know, it might not work. You know, you, you just got to be ready. It might not work. So, you know, what was my, what would my life be like without high school sports my senior right, year? Right. You know, like, sure. it seems kind of funny to think about now, but it, it was very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, lo and behold, we came to the, uh, board meeting six days later with the money. Wow. And, and we did it. We raised the money. And so we had only women's basketball and only varsity. And so women's and men's basketball. So back then in the state of Michigan, where I'm from basketball, women's basketball was fall and men's basketball was winter. So what else happens in the fall in high school? Homecoming. Oh, homecoming. Okay. But there was no football. So Uh, they said, we are going to have homecoming as a women's basketball game. Kind of funny. Okay. You know, whatever. So, um, my senior year, uh, those three siblings of mine that were at Franciscan came home for homecoming, this homecoming game. And we had the, you know, the whole court homecoming court and the parade and all of the stuff. And, um, we played the game and it was, uh, really exciting. The gym was packed. We were playing Dryden, a team in our conference boy, is this seared into my memory. <laughs> and, um, twice in the last minute, I stole the ball and missed 
wide open layups. Oh, wow. And we lost by a point. Oh. And I will never forget, never forget that feeling. And uh, just walking off the court, everybody's there. Everybody's patting me on the back saying, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And on, on one level, I knew it was okay. I mean, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. It's right, okay. Right. But at the same time, you know, it just was such a profound disappointment in my life. And I remember going to talk to that high school teacher, Jackie Jeffrey, the, she was the college coach and, you know, she just kind of chuckled and she said, Kel, if this is the worst thing that happens to you, it's no big deal. Let's, wow. let's move on. And so that was a hard pill for me to swallow for a yeah. long time, you know? Um, and it just illustrates the fact that um, disappointment is going to happen in our life. Yeah. And, and, and even failure, I failed in that moment. I did. I could, I could, we could replay that game a hundred times and I would be successful, maybe 99 of them, but not, not that night. And um, you know, that's where just the moving forward as a person, you know, in spite of profound disappointment and choosing to go forward and to continue and to um, yeah. be forward thinking. Yeah. And, and so, you know, in, yeah. in our lives, you know, after those playing days are long gone, you know, in, in, uh, in marriage with family, with children in our jobs, there are so many moments like yeah. that where we have to make a choice to go on. And, um, you know, we like to use the word microcosm, you know, yes, it is 100%. You know, if yeah. sp sports is a microcosm of life and if we respond faithfully, then we have tremendous opportunity to grow. Yeah. In that you heard, um, like perspective and the ability to value things rightly, right? Like it would have mm -hmm. been of great value to win. And yet, you knew there were, there were, there was something more valuable, right? Yeah. And that was the resiliency to be able to bounce back from that and move on. And I think that moment, you know, really taught me something later as a coach, you know, there are plenty of times where you win and you're shaking the opponent's hand. And there are plenty of times where you lose and you're shaking the opponent's hand. So I would always tell my team, you know, go congratulate them for their win. You know, don't, don't be cranky and have a negative attitude and try to project on them some sense of, um, you know, uh, unfairness or wrongness to the situation. They played better than we did. Wow. They played like we wanted to wow. shake their hand, smile, look them in the eye and say, good game. Wow. That's great. And you can be upset afterward, but you know what? Don't be upset for too long. Life is too short. Wow, you know, just great. learn and go on. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and we had, you know, we had plenty of both. That's so valuable. The ability to be able to recognize the giftedness of other people and, and not have it somehow call my own security into question. Right. So that in itself is just a huge lesson. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. Very huge. much. So I know you wrote a chapter mm -hmm. for, um, for the book, coach them well by St. Mary's press. And you were the only female coach <laughs> to, to contribute to yeah. that. So that's, that's super huge. Um, can you, do you say a little bit about the book about your chapter and your um, Kelly's chapter. Mm -hmm. And that was um, coach as shaper of faith through athletics. And that's right at the heart of what we're talking about. So yeah, just tell me a little bit about yeah. the experience of writing for that. And it was so, it was so interesting. Um, St. Mary's press called Franciscan university and spoke to the athletic director and they were 
they were looking into the possibility of um, creating a book written by different college coaches where each college coach would write a chapter. And um, they wanted this book to be about uh, coaches who integrate faith into their coaching practice, who coach from a faith perspective. So um, St. Mary's Press was um, working on this project and they called our athletic director and he gave them my name. So when they called me, honestly, I kind of chuckled a little bit because I am way more of a talker than a writer. And, um, and at the time we weren't even in the NCAA yet. We were um, just a varsity intercollegiate program. And so um, I told the gentleman what I did and who I was. And I said, you tell me if you want me to uh, work on this project. And so he said, yes. And um, he wanted me to write this chapter. They sent me some questions. They assured me I'd have ample opportunity to edit <laughs> with their help. Um, unfortunately, I only got one opportunity, but that's okay. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, let it go, Kel. Uh, so I sent them all the information they asked for. And he said, we'll get back to you. And a long time passed and I hadn't heard from them. And right up, I don't know how long in my mind it was long. Right. And right about the time I was really starting to think, oh my goodness, they did not like my chapter. They probably threw it in the trash and um, I'm never going to hear from them again. The gentleman called me and he said, good news. He said, I just got out of the meeting and we got approval to go forward with this project. And we used your chapter as the sample chapter. So, uh, wow. I was a little shocked. Um, so, um, the other authors are, um, current or, or former division one coaches. Um, but the really interesting thing about it was why did they call Franciscan and why me? Um, so in my mind, I thought there has to be a lot of other coaches who would want to write a chapter coaches who are far more um, well-known than Kelly Herman. And actually, unfortunately, that wasn't true. They were having a hard time finding coaches who really um, would say that they integrate their faith into their coaching. Wow. And, and they were especially having a difficult fa- time finding women. So wow. that's why they asked me to do it. And, you know, um, there's a lot of really faithful people in coaching. And, um, I know that it's very complicated, you know, depending on where you coach and on what level, you know, wins and losses have a lot to do with job security. And so, um, everybody's got to answer those questions for themselves. But, um, for me, um, and thankfully I coached at Franciscan in a place where, um, part of my job was to create a faithfully Catholic team culture and that these women would grow in their faith through their basketball or volleyball experience. So I had the blessing of being in that kind of, uh, scenario and atmosphere. But, um, but unfortunately I think there's a lot of faithful coaches who don't know how to integrate the two. Mm-hmm. And so they get kind of caught up in culturally, what does coaching look like? And this is how I'm supposed to do it. Sure. And I think, unfortunately, there were times even at Franciscan where I would hear people say, well, how does everybody else do it? Well, okay. That's a valid question. If you're talking about, um, scheduling travel or, um, sending out contracts to officials, but 
you know, if you're talking about things that, um, like how do we dress, um, like, um, um, you know, uh, how do we integrate prayer into our sports experience? How do we integrate virtue into our sports experience? Um, how do we understand, um, God's call to be a student athlete and what that means and what opportunities do we have? How do we speak to one another? How do we conduct ourselves on the court? And how can we be a witness and example to the officials, to the fans, to the other team? Um, beautiful thing happened. Uh, this actually happened a bunch of times, but I can remember one time in particular where we would always invite the opposing team to pray with us, with us after the game or match. And, um, you know, not if, just if we won, always. Mm-hmm. And um, we were playing at a volleyball tournament at St. Vincent and uh, we were playing St. Vincent. And um, after the match, we asked them to pray with us. And I remember hearing one of their players say, oh, I love this part. That's so cool. And clearly they had played us before when she was on the team. And just the fact that another team would ask them to pray, you know, I just, that just really spoke to me. Like you never know when you're, when you're saying or doing something that's going to be impactful in someone's life and be a witness to them. And so that was a constant conversation for us, um, at Franciscan. And so, you know, I just think there's a lot of things that coaches need to learn about how to integrate their faith into their practices and their philosophy and their priorities of coaching without asking, how's everybody else do it? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. And, and for our listeners, this is the first in a series of at, at least three, but three interviews with Kelly. There is so much more to unpack here in terms of the practicalities of what this looks like and prioritizing and um, and how to go about actually doing this in a practical way. Um, if you want to get in touch with Kelly for, for speaking or consulting, um, you can reach her at her email address is uh, khermaniam at outlook.com. So that's k. H-E-R-R-M-A-N-N-I-A-M at Outlook.com. And her cell number is 740-317-1925. If you didn't catch that and you just want to send a form over to um, to me via sacredhearthealingministries.com, I'm happy to forward that on to Kelly. And again, that book is Coach Them Well, and that's from St. Mary's Press. And I see that that is available on Amazon, as are my books, More Than Words, The Freedom to Thrive After Trauma and Fearless Abundant Life Through Infinite Love. You can also contact me for parish healing missions um, that I'm really excited to be um, branching into, super excited for one one coming up uh, November 11th and November 12th on Palmyra, Pennsylvania. And that's free for at Holy Spirit Catholic Church for anybody who's around that area. Be really excited to meet you there. And also doing healing, wellness, and relationship coaching. And you can find me at sacredhearthealingministries.com. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited about chatting it up on our our next podcast in this series. And as always, really, really great talking to you. My pleasure, Margaret. Thank you for joining us, listeners, and um, just invite you back to listen to the next two in this series. May the Lord give you peace. 
Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to healingministries.com.